You're listening to the Healthcare Goes Digital podcast. Get ready to be inspired as we explore provocative topics surrounding innovative technologies and ideas with top industry professionals, digital entrepreneurs, and provocateurs. At Impetus Digital, we believe that everything starts with a conversation. We aspire to act as the bridge to not only ignite these courageous conversations, but to also sustain them over time. We do this through our Insight platform, which features our award-winning Insight events and Insight Touchpoint solutions, and through these fireside chats. In the end, our hope is to collectively and positively disrupt healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Natalie Eden. CEO and co-founder of Impetus Digital, an all-in-one, fully-serviced virtual collaboration and communication solution for online meetings, events, conferences, and advisory boards for life science companies. Natalie Yeadon. I'm the CEO and co-founder with Impetus Digital. At Impetus Digital, we have built some of the best in class asynchronous and synchronous virtual collaboration communication tools. We've worked with life science companies from across the globe over the past 14 years to help them with everything from virtual advisory boards, online community boards, virtual investigator meetings, online medical education, and even since the launch of our award-winning Insight events, we've helped with innovation hackathons, corporate events, and everything in between. But more importantly at Impetus, we really believe that everything starts with a conversation. And from these big, hairy, audacious conversations with some of the leading edge thinkers, the digital provocateurs, and the healthcare thought leaders, we can all work together to collectively and positively disrupt healthcare. So I'm super excited about having one of these healthcare thought leaders at the table with me today. This is actually um, Vlado Bozanak. Um, he's the founder, investor, entrepreneur, and advisor. Um, And also a business consultant, he has over 30 years of experience in assisting businesses with capital requirements, strategy, structure, and entry as well into the capital markets. So he's actually the former CEO, and he's also the current head of strategy and revenue growth at Advanced Human Imaging. This is actually a B2B technology company that he co-founded in 2014. Um, This actually helps people to understand their health in a very personalized manner. Um, It also assists healthcare providers to help conduct things like telehealth, since we all know this has started uh, since COVID, um, with all of their appointments, and also ensuring that patients receive their diagnosis in a very timely manner. Vlado is also a strategic advisor at a company uh, called Clean, Clean Earth Technologies, so something just a little different, which also focuses on identifying and commercializing research for environmentally friendly industry processes, as well as remediation. So Vlado is a passionate communicator and a thought leader in the areas of strategy, commercialization, wellness, and mobile health technologies. He's also a firm believer that results can only be achieved through building really strong relationships. Welcome Vlado, so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Natalie. That what a wonderful introduction. Well, it's absolutely a wonderful background. And I'm sure that a lot of the people who are listening would love to get an idea of the beautiful 30-year-long career that you've had. What did you do and what helped you to bring you to where you are today as, as basically this widespread entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I suppose if I really wound back the clock, it, it's started back in my younger days of just an interest in working for myself. And with that, uh, my father was a property developer, so I had a passion to 
be involved in, in property and was reasonably successful at that. And uh, that led to opportunities where people wanted to invest in the property transactions. As capital markets change and global markets shift, you know, you'll find one time it's very much property driven, bricks and mortar safety in having that security to the property market drops off, people start sucking their capital out of the property market and they look to the capital markets and investing to do that. So that's sort of the way I wove myself into being an extremely uneducated um, entry position, if you like, into capital markets. So um, I, I call it all the time, I say to my, my guys, I learned from the street. Um, I made mistakes. I knocked on the doors. I, I did things to learn. I, I surrounded myself with smarter people that taught me a lot. And um, you know, one of those business relationships was a partnership of nearly 19 years. And even to this day, we work together on things um, on our own. But you know, I think that when I look back over the landscape of 30 years, it, it always has its ups and downs. You know, the capital markets are tough and deal origination is tough. And you really need to position yourself in a way where you build that trust, which is what I talk about in, in that whole relationship thing, need to have relationships to, to really accelerate at any given field because it's the people that surround you that really give you that, that, that uplift and capability because you can't be, in Australia, we say a jack of all trades. I don't know if that's something you use in, in the US, but you, you can't be good at absolutely everything. So I never felt... I never had any fear of surrounding myself with people that were, were smarter than me, which assisted me and even facilitated me in becoming better at, at whatever it is I was trying to do. And that's just triaged through the last you know, 30 years into, first of all, assisting people with escalating ideas and capital raising if they needed to be introduced to investors, all the way to actually right from deal origination and growth and first capital in and taking the risk before we brought other people in to advanced human imaging now, which was a, a thought of mine in 2014 around being able to digitally map the human form with accurate dimension for, for clothing mainly. And um, we've pivoted a long way since then. It's very exciting where the company's got to and, and how it's performed for us and the, the companies that we've transacted with, we're transacting with and growing the company and we entered the NASDAQ last year in November, which to me is one of those, you know, those bucket list moments as an entrepreneur out of Australia with a technology company to achieve that outcome to me was a, a huge tick in the box. So uh, let's set aside the capital markets right now because no one's real happy about where <laughs> the capital markets are, let's face it. But um, having said that, the fundamentals of the company haven't changed. Um, it's going really well. We have a fantastic team and everyone's excited inside and outside of the business with what we're doing and how we're facilitating what you said earlier about assisting people in really being able to seek care um, or understand if they require care in a very easy to use private manner. And using your own mobile phone to do that couldn't become more private as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. So we're going to go back a little bit and start start cool. talking about the original intent behind advanced imaging or advanced human imaging. And you were saying that it started originally with the intention around apparel, clothing, fashion. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the idea behind the technology, what it did, and what you sort of were doing originally in the fashion or apparel industry. 
Yeah, well, if you look at the, you know, you hear it all the time for, for those of us listening and those of us who have been involved in buying something online, the chances of it being right the first time are quite remote. And I was a professional bodybuilder in my earlier days and, um, you know, some would say I was deformed. I couldn't get clothes to fit me in the way I wanted them to. So trying to buy clothes online, especially from the US because they did the bigger sizes, um, I would never be able to get the sizes that I was after. And it was a frustrating uh, a frustrating side of, of that. In Australia, I'm a, I was a triple XL. Now, when I bought a triple XL in the US, I needed to be a 160-kilo quarterback, and I was not. I was not even remotely close. So the sizing differences through ethnicity, through you know, jurisdictions of the world, they're just all over the place. So I just happened to be enjoying a fantastic bottle of red wine and some great cheese in the southwest of Western Australia, which we're very famous for, with a colleague who was working in the area of sports injury and prevention, and he was showing me some amazing technology a colleague of his had built where he was video recording athletes um, performing their given sport. They were injuring themselves, and from that imaging, they would translate that into a, an avatar, and he would be able to show them why their body weight and angle was you know, hurting a knee, pulling a hamstring, twisting their hip, whatever it was doing, or a swimmer in the pool, the way he was you know, swimming through the pool while he would injure his shoulder with the velocity of, of how hard he would pull his hand through the water. And um, I said, gee, that's fantastic. You're measuring force and angle. Can you measure dimension? And um, he, he said, no, no. He said, I'm not the scientist behind how it does this. I'm just the guy that uses it. Um, he said, but this doesn't do that. And, and he said, well, I'll introduce you to the gentleman that created this technology and, and ask him because he's a he's a, a, an imaging expert. So I met Dr. Amar, who has now been with me for eight years, um, and I kicked it out of the gate with some funding to him to try to, if you like, get this into a rudimentary form that we could see it was heading in the right direction. And he said, he said, you know, half a million dollars in six months and we should be there. Well, $2 million later in three years, we got there. Um, but it, it's just the path you travel with, with technology. So the idea was if I could, I believed, if I could do something where I simply measured circumferences and lengths digitally with some accuracy through a mobile phone, the convenience of measuring yourself well for that purchase online is the holy grail for the, the apparel industry. And um, every major apparel house is trying to do it or trying to work with someone to do it. And I didn't realise that at the time. I thought I had this you know, unique thought process about, wow, if you could do this. As we got into this and we started to really look at the landscape, there's probably 50 companies trying to do this at, at different levels. And I haven't found one that succeeded. I've, seen, I've found some good ones, but I haven't found anyone that succeeded. And I certainly haven't found anyone in that landscape that does it even remotely as easy and accurately as we can do it. But having said that, what I didn't want to do is fight for the same piece of real estate. So in, in talking to Dr. Catherine, who's my life partner, also the CEO of the company now, um, she said, well, you know, we both come from a health and fitness background. She's got degrees from everything to do with biochemistry through to you know, technology. And um, she said, why don't we go down that, that health and fitness path? And, and I sort of the penny dropped and I thought, what a great idea because the... 
and I'm going to be quite crass about it, just the vanity involved in gyms and training and dieting and things. For somebody in that field to be able to digitally appraise themselves with real accuracy as often as they like to see if the process that they'd entered into is giving them results, again, would be a no-brainer in the, in the space. So we, we pivoted and we went down that path a little more, not because we couldn't do the clothing side of things, but the landscape was very crowded. And a number of the early conversations we had from companies were everyone says they can do it, no one can. So you're trying to knock the door down on something that just seemed at the time to be too hard. So we thought, well, if we, we can prove this out in other functionalities, the door will knock the other way. They'll knock from the other side. <clears throat> and sure enough, that's what has started to happen, but not within that first five years. There's, there's a lot of landscape you've got to cover. So we pivoted into sort of the health and fitness aspect of utilising the technology. We had great success with that. We've signed some fantastic uh, sports stars and companies that are using the technology in that space. But with COVID, the, really it's accelerated, uh, if you like, a vertical we were working in in the insurance and the health sector, where understanding risk and assessing risk and understanding how to insure someone properly by really understanding their form and where the risk lies in their form became very apparent as the, the front runner for what we should be doing, simply through inquiry coming into us. And, and COVID hit and all of a sudden people are at home, sedentary behaviors kicking in, um, they don't mean to be lazy, but they can't help themselves because they couldn't go out. They, Melbourne was locked down um, for the longest time in, the, in all of the planet. So people were not allowed literally out of the house except to, to do essential things. So, and I'm jumping around a, bit, a little bit, so by all means, pull me back into any of the parts of the conversation you feel should have some more expanded uh, words around it. But um, Really what we've done now and why we went from, and, and you'll laugh, when we did the original company, we called it My Physique. Because, and it was a play on words. It was M-Y-F-I-Z-I-Q, My Physique. And it was to map your physique. It was to, to go down that path. So it fit with the, the strategy. When we accelerated our capabilities and we brought some other companies' technologies in, we bought some other technologies, we took large strategic positions in other technologies, and we started to bring this entire data set capability into play, we changed the company's name because we, we really weren't a My Physique anymore. We were a, an advanced human imaging business where we were able to facilitate through the mobile phone a number of strategic needs for a care provider, an insurer, a doctor in a way that was both uh, comprehensive, easy to use and real time. And why that was embraced, if you like, by those industries is because We've validated this technology and its capabilities independent of us in universities, hospitals, research centres all over the world. When we built out some of the algorithms, we had them tested and then validate for us. So to be able to utilise the technology to understand the risk was a, a bit of a no-brainer, if you like, for these organisations. So that really accelerated our capabilities through, through COVID and certainly the interest in the technology as well, because as the company stands today, we can do a body scan using the mobile phone. It takes 30 seconds. We measure 12,000 data points across the body, but we can accurately measure what World Health would see as the predictive risk around waistline. So we digitally map, according to your height, weight and gender, what your 
risk waistline is and where you sit in that spectrum and we are able to give that to you. We do transdermal imaging of the blood flow in the face. We don't video the face, we do the blood flow reading using the camera also and we, we extract vital signs, blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate and a regular heart rate if it's present. There are many, many, many other uh, measurements but what I tried to do when I created the thought process of where we wanted to go was if I walked into a doctor's surgery, what does the doctor want to do when I walk in? What's my blood pressure? He's going to check my heart. He's going to listen to my respiratory system. He's going to put me on a scale. He's going to do a BMI calculation. But pretty much as soon as he's looked at me and my waistline, he's already starting to decide what blood tests I'm going out for because your central you know, adiposity or the fat you carry centrally is where the risk really lies. So if he identifies me the moment I walk in the door to have that marker alone, He's starting to think about type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease and other chronic diseases that directly correlate back or have the comorbidities associated with that risk area and sends me out for blood. So the first thing he does is all those checks. So that's what we do on the phone. We do the waistline measurements, the hip-to-waist ratios. We do the, the vital signs and we blend those and we use World Health or International Diabetes Federation um, in their known markers from the science that they've proven out over decades to say, well, this is what the world experts say is the measurement that puts you at risk. So we report that if it's present in those in those captures. And it's pretty that, that's pretty much the 30-second elevator speech, right? It's um it's really what we've encapsulated and made very easy and accessible. Because whether you've got an Android phone or a iOS phone, an Apple phone, we're able to facilitate this capability for individuals. So it makes it a very unique individualized assessment rather than a, a heap of questions on a telehealth call as we are here today and really you say how are you feeling i say well, i'm all right i'm a little bit off what does that mean right whereas if the doctor's got my vital signs he goes well no you look like you're a lot off at the moment so let's talk about that let's spend some time on yeah. on that and focus yeah that's actually a beautiful thing and such a great explanation Vlado, of the evolution from the apparel COVID-19 hits an acceleration into the sort of the whole telemedicine remote monitoring piece. And so obviously I'm assuming that the company has just taken off uh, since then and with all the acquisitions, et cetera. So you've talked a little bit about the body scan and you've also talked a little bit about the facial scan. Um, you know, again, there is a technology and people's immediate th thoughts are, you know, the red flagging around the facial recognition software and all of the deals that happen with that. So I think you were very particular in saying that it's blood flow. What exactly does the facial scan do and read and how does all that information get transpired through blood? Yeah, so basically when, when looking at the transdermal side, people don't realise the skin's translucent. So the pigment in the skin is actually, it, it changes uh, according to the flow of your blood and a number of other you know, things around your heart rate and so on. So what we do is we capture that. And it's super important to understand we're not recording your face. We are not doing um, facial recognition. We're doing nothing personally identifiable at all in that sense. It is the measurement of the blood flow across four key areas of the face. And from that, um, with our partners, there's an algorithm being built that addresses and has been proven out across medical diagnostics to show why that works a certain way and how it does, does that. And, and we're not talking about a few hundred people. We're talking about tens of thousands of people being trialled and data being pulled in, the AI being built around how to capture this. I, I can't go really into 
the depth of it because there is IP around that. So we don't want to go into that too much. And, and frankly, a lot of companies are doing it, right? So I don't want to sit here and act like we're the holy grail of it. Other companies do components of what we do. What, what we've done that is so different, if you like, is we've merged multiple data sets into a couple of experiences through a very special way we've done this where I'm not just relying on your waistline and saying, well, we know you're at risk, so you're going off to the blood test, because we want to have a look at correlating evidence. So it's, is the blood test, um, is, is the blood flow that we capture as good as a million dollar medical device? Well, no, it's not. Is it within the bounds of what medical requirements are to meet? Yes, it is. Does the, the capturing capability through the blended data we bring in pull enough trigger points to say, listen, we've got enough identifiers here, even though there's not 100% of them, to say there's risk here. So you should now, from a carer's perspective or a doctor's perspective, say, I'm just going to go to the next stage. Now, I'm not going to diagnose off this. I'm going to say, I think there's risk there because I'm seeing enough data as a doctor to say, seeing that, I'm going to send you for some blood tests or some x-rays or some, some other things. Um, to check you. And then on the back of that, they look to diagnose. I'm trying to short circuit that. As humans, and we're all guilty of this, we we go to doctors episodically. I can't remember the last time I went to the doctor. And it's because we don't do it until we're sick, until something's happened, until there's been an event. It's just, and there's a handful of people that do, right? They have their regular checkups and they do it right, but it's in the low single digits. As humans, we generally push through. And because Chronic disease is one of those things that creeps up on you over a lot of years. When you get that event, it's usually got to go into some sort of a heavy diet regime, get back in shape, get yourself right. If you've caught it quick enough or you're going on to medication or both or both. So what yeah. we're trying to do is say, hey, John, 27-year-old, you're okay at the moment, but we're seeing escalation here because your waistline's increasing your heart rate's higher than it should be with your respiratory rate and your blood pressure. The blend of all this says this is where you're going. So we're going to look at you in three months, six months, 12 months. And if that trajectory keeps going, we're going to grab you before it's too late and you have the event to get you on a path to being healthy. That, that is really what we're about. You were also saying that your technology, not only doing the body scans and the face scans, but there's also a derma scan. So it's scanning yeah. skin. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's doing there? Yeah, so that that is a AI-based derma engine that's been built that has um, 588 conditions being mapped across 133 categories. Um, we've recently got CE approval in, in Europe as a medical device on that particular part of the, the product. Um, Canadian approval has been granted and FDA is currently underway. Um, you get them one step at a time. It's a, it's a very long-winded, costly process that you go into. But for, having said that, um, again, like the first set of scans, we don't want to replace a doctor. We do not want to replace a dermatologist. What we want to do is, is assist people in giving their dermatologist qualified information to say, should I deal with this? And the way that the, the, the user experience works, it's, it's a simple mobile phone image. We process it through the device. And within 30 seconds, it comes back with a, a, a number of different potential issues that it might be with number one being the most likely with an explanation of 
what that can be. So if it was something that ran a red flag, basically you, you'd send it to your derma to ask them to have a look at it. If you, in a country where we've got the approvals to do that. In a place like the US, there are a number of dermatologists using the technology in different forms around clinical trialing and all sorts of things. But so it's not being used in a public sense there, but a number of dermas are using it and clinicians are using it to understand when they look at something, does the AI agree? Because the AI has been proven to be as accurate, if not more accurate, through multiple tests at universities within the US, that it is as good or better than a dermatologist at prediction. So with that in mind, they, they really trust that we have a thousand dermas on it in Canada using the technology. So it's a process, it's there to facilitate care, especially the aggressive things like skin cancers, because you know, two people an hour die in the US of skin cancers. And if they could be caught early enough, you can deal with those and they are not a life-changing or a life-threatening event. And that's one of the things we want to facilitate. We want to be able to assist people in early intervention in these skin disorders. Absolutely. So COVID-19, of course, has changed the world. It's turned everything up, upside down. But certainly companies like yourselves have used it as an accelerant for rapid adoption and you know, acceleration of what you're doing. So this whole idea around remote monitoring, obviously physicians and other healthcare providers have probably been able to leverage a technology like yours. The question comes down to is, you know, now you have this ability to do body scanning, facial scanning, derma scanning. So there's an opportunity for an early diagnosis slash triaging. So I was just curious in this area of early diagnostics, this area around neurological disorders, being able to ambiently determine changes in gait, um, pressure, is this other technologies that you're looking at developing within your advanced um, scanning tool? Yeah, listen, absolutely. We have a little side of the business we call AHI Labs. And AHI Labs is um, deep into building a musculoskeletal assessment tool at the moment to look at gait, look at pivot, look at strength, um, look at you know, people's flexibility or inflexibility for them. And we, we nearly acquired a company last year out of Israel that was, was doing this in clinical environments. And it was a really cool company, they have wonderful technology, but we live in the mobile phone. So it, the, the acquisition didn't go forward because we live in the mobile phone. And the way we looked at it, to bring it from where it was to where we wanted it to be, um, we could just do it ourselves. So we thought, okay, that, that isn't going to work. And Dario Health, another fantastic telehealth company, they, those guys picked it up because they do in-clinic work and it's a fantastic fit for those guys. It just wasn't for us. Um, so we're looking at that. We're looking at a, a really cool way to do a blood diagnostic in-house um, in your home using the mobile phone as the gateway to send the blood readings through a, a Bluetooth device to the cloud to be processed and brought back. A lot of people have done it different ways. Um, and you know, we have a team coming on board to facilitate that who have done it successfully uh, for us. But again, we're not trying to do everything. We, we are focused on chronic disease. So you know, we want to look at hemoglobin, HbA1c, you know, cholesterols, and the things that are relevant or accelerants of you know, chronic diseases like diabetes and coronary heart disease, stroke, and so on. So we're looking at a number of things there. Uh, we're looking at some opportunities around um, long-term wearables for 
um, the heart readings and being able to do, you know, instead of just a point in time to be checking someone's heart rate, irregular heart rate or anything, even arrhythmia, we're looking at, you know, 14 day wearables that take 14 days, 24 hour day readings that you don't have to take off, you can shower with them and all that and it brings the readings through the phone. There's a long road to home and all this technology and to continue being the leaders in the space, which I believe we are, but you know, as a founder, I'm always going to think that. Um, you've always got to be looking at what else should you bring in and keep that facilitation of data flow within the phone. So yeah, we've, we've got a, a lot we want to do, um, a lot we're able to do, and that takes money and time. My, my CTO, who's a fantastic guy and just too smart, he says to me, I'll give you anything you want. You give me money and time. <laughs> it's like one of those things. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're all ultimately looking for the super app, the super interoperable system that has all these dimensions. So I think that's what we're all technically targeting. And if you were saying very succinctly, it ultimately comes down to the super database, right? That's, you know, data is the gold and that's what everybody's ultimately looking, but with an interoperability edge to it. So we've talked a lot about the fitness industry and so much of what you do fits really, really nicely in there. We also talked about the remote monitoring, telemedicine, the whole new world around that since COVID and being able to uh, provide people that accessibility to their healthcare provider. Now the question comes down to is the potential partnerships and collaborations with pharmaceutical companies, thinking specifically around clinical trials. Is there discussions or people, can they partner with your company for including this particular product for patient remote monitoring outcomes, real world evidence, what would, if I was a pharmaceutical company, what would you say to me in terms of partnering? Listen, absolutely, because at the end of the day, the, the pharmaceutical company is looking to provide the efficacy of their drug and the outcomes that it, that it drives. The biggest problem, and if you like the drop off in a lot of those clinical trialing uh, situations is the people don't show up or it's inconvenient or they, and, they, and they drop off. So if you can bring the, the ability to measure that change into the comfort of their own home and it's measurement day, which is what we can do, because um, if you're, a, let's say, a, a company that does a diabetes drug, first of all, you want to know the blood monitoring is taking place and there's a lot of ways to measure that and have that feed coming back through to you. But ideally what you want is you want to see them getting onto a path of weight reduction, you know, a drop in waistline and so on. So a lot of these drugs, um, you know, Zenical, um, yes, uh, Bidurian, all these things, they actually assist people in, in coming down off the weight that, that sits them on that, that edge or above obesity that is the comorbidity cause of the diabetes. So what the drug companies want to know is that that's doing what it's meant to do. So we're able to, we're agnostic to where we draw data from. So if you're you know, running an Apple Watch, a Garmin, a Fitbit, whatever it is, our data feeds can blend with those data feeds. So when these companies look at this, they want to see what's your activity? What are your sleep patterns? Where are your vital signs? What's your body composition looking like, your body fat? And we can facilitate all of this at home via the mobile phone. And again, it comes back to what I said earlier on about being able to give convergence of all of that data. So when you're doing that, it's not, so I'm just giving you the person's waistline, so then you've got to work around everything else. No, I can give you all of it into one place at one time. So, you know, absolutely open to, um, to 
any of the pharmaceutical groups that, that are looking to have a diagnostic tool. You know, we obviously have some rules around our technology, how it's used and the ownership of that. So um, we're careful about that and you put all the usual CDAs in place and everything else. Um, we don't want to fight with the big monsters in the room. You know, they're too big to get into an argument with over your own technology. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes that's a bit trepidatious. But listen, we, we speak to a, a lot of them um, looking at what they're doing. Uh, we, have a, we have a lot of approaches from them. We have some great relationships there. And they're, they're all things that we're completely open to. One of the things that's actually very important to a lot of brands, launch brands or products that are actually fully marketed are what they call patient support programs. The reimbursement marketplace right now for expensive products, especially in the rare disorders, oncology space, they're expensive, they're very difficult to reimburse, they're complex, they require special authorizations and a whole slew of things. So many of these companies create these patient support programs. Is your tool, if it could be licensed as an example, be integrated in some of these patient support programs to help patients monitor along the way to improve adherence and to improve overall outcomes for patients? Are those discussions or opportunities for partnering companies? 100%. And um, we already have partnerships with companies that do exactly that. They, they have you know, patients that they've been working with because the insurers have passed them through to say, this person's had bariatric surgery or they've got a weight problem that is causing their diabetes to flare all the time and so on. And they want to help them get healthy um, and, and how to do that. So we work with organisations now that want the monitoring capabilities. Wearables, you know, have, have been doing their thing. Um, there, there is a, a layer of extraction there that is limiting if you don't know that the person is changing. And self-reported data is exactly that. It's self-reported. You ask someone what their waistline is and they think they're pants size. Well, you know, you've been wearing the same 34 for the last eight inches of change. So the really, we, we, that's our space. That is absolutely our wheelhouse where people want to see both change on a longitudinal basis, but also trajectory. And we do that. So whether it's a drug company um, that is doing some sort of a trial, whether it's a care provider in the diabetes space or any of the other spaces that is looking to assist people in losing weight to get them healthier, we can not only track them from the onset, we can track them through the whole process and there's a reporting capability. A very important part of what we do, which you brought up earlier about data, we are not a data company. Your data is yours. It's very private and it's between you and the facilitator. So if you're um, working with an insurer that's provided our technology to you, we give the insurer the, uh, the software development kits. They put it into their application and that data transference is directly between them and the patient, the customer, the policyholder. It doesn't come back to us. We do not store it. We don't persist any of that data in our cloud or anything like that. Um, and that's probably where we're a little bit different to most other organisations that do that. They, they're looking at a big data play. We're not doing that. Our, our capabilities sell themselves and we don't need to then try to monetize in the ugly part, I call it, of data. Um, if you're scanning yourself on our technology, it's with who's provided it to you and them. Because under their T's and C's, you've agreed to do it on a certain rewards basis or outcome basis for yourself and they're giving you it to you, so it sits on their side of, of the fence, if you like. So it's speak. almost like you've got an edge commuting, um, you know, a platform or uh, or program. So edge computing. So um, that's much. a safer way to manage the data. 
and all of the concerns about security and privacy and data ownership and all kinds of other uh, fun stuff like that. So yeah. um, you mentioned something about software as a medical device. With that involves, in some countries, clinical trials, being able to compare it to standard, uh, standard of care, and also being able to show metrics for uh, you know, evaluation on outcomes, things like you know, weight loss, et cetera. Is this a route that your company is looking at applying the software as a medical device in, in some countries? Listen, some components of it we, we do look at and say if we really want that to really get its deepest use in a jurisdiction, there are components you just you have to get medical approvals for. So that involves everything you just said. You're going to need to prove that it does it. Uh, in the US, you know, some of the fast track is the 510K where you can say, well, this, this is like this because that, that does it. And here, here's the, the clinical proof that it does that. Um, and you, you go in that process. So the answer to that is yes on parts and on some parts, no, because if I'm giving this to a, a massive global gym chain that want to measure body composition and dimension, they don't need medical approvals to do that. We have care provider companies that, that operate as a wellness platform. So they use it as a general wellness type tool where they want to look at information and change. And, and then that they use that to actually score what they do next with, with people for better outcomes. When you are looking to utilise technologies for a diagnostic outcome, that's a little bit different. You really need to then look at, are you relying on the tool to do that? If so, it must have a medical approval. If you're just using it as a part of a number of things you're doing because you want some data there, different story. So it, I know that's a very broad answer to what you say. So it's yes in some cases, but no in others. Now, what exactly is the business model for your company? Is it technically a B2B or is it a B2C? If I'm a fitness buff and I'm actually in a bodybuilding show and I want to pay for this, can I license it? Or is it actually something that is priced in such a way where it has to be part of a, a larger uh, administration? So, yeah, no, it's a good point. So we've been very careful about two things. We're a B2B. And the reason we're a B2B is there are 300 plus thousand health apps in the app store. How do you stand out? You get lost in the noise. So what we would rather do is be a B2B where we give these large pre-existing environments that have millions of users, if not tens of millions of users, we, we would prefer to give it to them very cheap and get volume from them where it doesn't stop them going to the, uh, the movies on the weekend with the family kind of thing. If we were to be a B2C, the economics of that really changes the dynamic of the business because to both market, support and build you know, single user experiences is problematic. And it's mm -hmm. very, very expensive to do that. So we took a very early position that we would rather give the technology to pre-existing platforms and they can, they can share it with their consumer and not compete with them. Right. Because the last thing we want to do is be you know, doing a fitness app and then we're selling it to a fitness app and they get caught up in, well, we can't sell it for that price. And, and it's, it's voted well for the company because we have 20, uh, 20 agreements executed now, six companies live, um, six more should be live before Christmas. And those organisations currently contracted to us cover around 400 million lives around the world. So as a single application going to a consumer direct, we'd never get that kind of reach without spending probably as many dollars per person to do yeah. that. So it, it's a faster road to home. 
This is super, and but it's also super exciting to hear as an investor and an entrepreneur in the back end, you dealing with the company with great acquisition ideas, really building this company. So it's uh, it, it's brilliantly thought through and obviously great strategic business decisions. For anybody who's listening to the show and is interested in speaking with Vlado, just to inquire partnerships, collaboration opportunities, or just to get in on the program, please look for his contact details in the show notes below. Uh, anybody who was interested in the show, also check out impetusdigital.com. These are the kinds of conversations that we set up with pharmaceutical, biotech, medical device companies, working with physicians, advisors, patients, allied healthcare providers in developing strategy and plans, ideas about you know beyond the pill thinking, all kinds of really innovative things. And we do a series of synchronous and asynchronous touch points over time so that you can actually do work virtually with, with your customers. So check out impetusdigital.com. We'd love if you can like and subscribe to our channel and also leave us some feedback on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. We want to thank everybody for their time today. And thank you, Flato, for an absolutely fascinating conversation. Thank you for listening to this Healthcare Goes Digital podcast. Impetus Digital are the business-to-business virtual engagement experts and provide immersive virtual collaboration and communication solutions for advisory boards, medical education meetings, events, conferences, and projects worldwide, all delivered with our award-winning white glove service. Visit us at impetusdigital.com or book a demo at meetwithimpetus.com to find out more. And visit us on our LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube channel to see other inspiring conversations for you to share with your network.